Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message. There we go. Last week, I started preaching a series um, simply called We Believe. We Believe. I want you to go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 16. I'm going to read only verses 17 and 18. I read this in context last week, but I'm just going to do a, a quick review as we launch into today's message. The scripture says in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Thank you. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, this is the second message, but last week I took the time and it's important to lay the foundation because a lot of times we read these scriptures and we get really, really excited about the signs. And we're going to talk about some of the signs today, but the scripture was specific. He didn't just say these signs are going to exist after my ascension. These signs are going to be in the world for whosoever will. He said these signs are going to follow them that believe. This is an apostolic church. It's not just another church in our community. It's not just another building that has a sign that says we're a religious organization. We're not even just another Pentecostal church. God specifically called us here to plant an apostolic church. Therefore, we believe in one God whose name is Jesus. He's not a part of God. He's not a version of God. He was God in the flesh. Jehovah of the Old Testament. Robed in flesh to shed blood for the sins of humanity. That's what we believe. We believe in salvation not through a flaked out prayer. I'm not being mean. That's just not what we believe. We don't believe that you can be saved or, or come to a place of healthy relationship with God. And then it doesn't matter what you do from that point forward. Your eternity is good. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's why we don't believe that. But what we do believe is that you can come to a place of repentance. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. God can forgive you. You can have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. You can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're going to know that because you're going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And then you can begin to pursue God, not in perfection, but in a spirit of holiness, trying to become more like Him and and you will be saved. That's what the Bible teaches. So we, we believe. So if we believe, then we can grab a hold to the signs that are supposed to follow. So from the foundation of our belief, I want to talk to us today about healing. One of the most common miraculous actions of God throughout the Bible is that of healing. Healing. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to address very quickly. The scripture says, uh, I'll read it again for you. Verse 18, they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. 
if you brought any snakes with you to church today, I'll see y'all next Sunday. I'm, I'm going home, and I'll come back next week, and you can leave the pet at home. We don't, we don't tempt God. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he took him up to the pinnacle and he showed him and he said, he said, just cast yourself off because the Bible says that you're not even going to dash your foot upon a stone. And Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So it would be foolish for us. And I say this mainly for those that may hear this podcast sometime and think that we're one of those churches that handle snakes. Leave your snakes at home. In fact, get rid of your snakes. Don't have them at home. That's just that's just good pastoring right there. I'm trying to help somebody. You don't need it. Put it in the yard. Let it eat the mice. We have an example of what the scripture refers to in scripture. In Acts chapter 28, the apostle Paul is gathering firewood and a snake bites him. He wasn't playing with snakes. He was just starting a fire. He was trying to reach people. And a snake bites him and everybody there stood back and said, we're going to watch you die. You read it. That's what they did. They stood back there like, this guy's going to kill over. And because he didn't, their hearts were open and their minds were open to listen to the message that Paul had to preach. See, these signs shall follow them that believe. It was the miracle that opened up the door for lost people to hear and receive the message of salvation. So this isn't telling you to go out and be stupid. This is just telling you that... In God's prerogative, He can cover you if something bad happens. Amen. So, that's taken care of. I don't have to spend any more time about that. I want to go to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, because we see God's healing power in the Old Testament. This is Moses when God is calling him to go into Egypt and declare to Pharaoh and to God's people that they were to be set free. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thy hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. See, even Moses ran away. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and called it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as the other flesh. In response to Moses' concern about Egypt believing the word that he had received from, the, from God, the Lord displayed his ability to miraculously control the condition of the human body. He says to Moses, I want to show you something, Moses, and this is going to be a sign to those that don't believe. He said, take your hand, and this gets really, really scary if you're Moses. He said, put it inside your, your coat, now, and I want you to pull that out. And when Moses took his hand out, he was leprous. And probably, I, I'm going to speculate a little bit, he thought, God is really mad that I didn't believe him. That's a bad day when God tells you to do something and you obey, and the result is leprosy. But in an instant... 
God, Jehovah of the Old Testament, was able to take a healthy body and make it a leprous body. And then in another instant, he said, put it back and take it back out. And it was healed again. God demonstrates his supernatural ability to control what goes on in the human body. I'm a builder by trade. And when people have problems with their home, you know what they do? They call somebody that's good at designing and working on homes. They don't call... um, They don't call the doctor to come and fix their roof. Sometimes I wish they would. I don't like roofing. But they don't do that. They call somebody that's familiar with the design. When we're talking about this idea, this supernatural display of God's power in healing, we have to remember He's the one that created this body. Everything that goes on inside, that that He has revealed to man through science and education, and that which He hasn't. God knows what's going on. 2 Kings chapter 5, God heals Naaman again of leprosy. Naaman didn't like how it happened, but God was able to do it. God was a healer. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26 says, And if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. What does God say about himself? He says, I, I am God, and I'm a healer. But this sounds an awful lot like the verse we read in the New Testament. It said the signs are going to follow them which believe. God said when you're obedient, when you do the things I tell you to do, when you live the way I tell you to live, then my healing power is going to back up that lifestyle. He didn't say just go out and do what you want. I'm going to heal you. That's, that's just not what he said. The promise was contingent upon the obedience of the people. We see many, many healings in the New Testament. So that same God from the Old Testament shows up on planet Earth, manifest in the flesh, and begins to walk among people, and we see Him time and time again perform healings. There's a man that's brought to Jesus who's deaf and mute. He can't hear or speak. Can't imagine the difficulty that this guy had to endure in his life. How do you make it through life without being able to hear or speak? And we, we want to understand God sometimes. And God hasn't all given us the ability to completely understand Him. We want to boil it all down, have a scientific remedy for it. Jesus puts His fingers in His ears and then touches His tongue. I'm not touching nobody's tongue. Everybody had a huge sigh of relief right there. I'm not going to do that. But I better be careful. Unless God tells me I have to do that. Lord, come on now. I don't want to do it. I don't know why he did that. Because in other instances, he just speaks things. And it takes place. I I don't understand the methods, but what I do know is that I read in the scripture that Jesus puts his fingers in this man's ears and touches his tongue, and this man is healed. He can now hear and speak. Because God can heal. It's something that he can do. It's at his prerogative. Multiple blind men in the scripture are healed. You, you want to talk about strange method, methods. Some of us wouldn't even want to be healed after reading this. The blind man comes and, and needs to be healed and Jesus goes... Yes. Spits in the dirt. 
Now, this guy can't see that, but he can hear pretty good. He's like, wow, I thought Jesus would be a little more refined than this. But okay. <laughs> and he, does, he doesn't see. Jesus is squirreling it around. He's making mud with his spit. And then, he st- and then all of a sudden, I, I just try to put myself in this guy's shoe. He can't see none of this. And all of a sudden, there's this slimy, gritty touch. And the Bible says that Jesus begins to rub the mud that he just made with spit on this man's eyes. And then tells him he, he still can't see. Nothing's happened yet, except for he's, he's now dirty and disgusting. And Jesus says, hey, go wash your face. And he had to trust Jesus and obey Jesus when he didn't understand. And he makes his way to the pool and he, he begins to wash his eyes and things are a little bit better. And you continue to read, Jesus continues to work with him and healing comes into this man's life. Other people are, are desperate. Other blind men are desperate and Jesus is going by and they begin to cry out, Jesus, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, our son of David, have, have mercy on me. And everybody's telling him, just, just stop, just hush. That's ridiculous. Just be quiet. And they had to allow their desire to come in contact with Jesus to be greater than the external influences that were around them, trying to hold them down and stifle them. And they kept crying out. And Jesus stops everything. And they're blind. It's kind of obvious. They're blind. And Jesus says, what do you want from me? And they were bold enough in that moment. They didn't back down on their request. They didn't cower away and try to hide in the crowd. They said, we want to see. That's what we want. We want, we want to see. And Jesus says, because of your faith, you're made whole. And he brings about healing. And these men walk away being able to see. We see multiple times in the New Testament where God heals lepers. And let me just modernize that for us a little bit today. Leprosy then was like cancer today. Because nobody knew what to do with it. Nobody knew how to heal it. They didn't know how to treat it. The best thing they could do is say, go away from us and, and, and live, live out there somewhere. And if you see anybody coming near you, you need to cover your mouth so you don't spread any germs and let them know that you're, you're unclean and you've got a disease and, and no physician knows how to cure you and there's nothing that can help you. Yeah. And there's an instance in Scripture where ten lepers come before Jesus and just like that, He heals every one of them. He didn't struggle. He wasn't like, oh, this is going to be really hard. I don't know. I didn't get enough sleep last night. Right. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm strong. No, he just, he just heals them. Right. And not only does he heal them, and we'll probably allude back to this in a couple weeks, but one of them comes back and gives them thanks because leprosy had, had effects. So they were probably missing fingers or maybe the tips of their nose. It, it attacked the extremities first, and you would begin to lose that. And so those men that were healed... Were not necessarily um, restored. So they were healed. The leprosy was gone. But their, the tip of their nose and their fingers and stuff was still gone as well. And one of those people come back to Jesus and begin to give him thanks and gratitude. And he makes that person whole. So not only could he heal the disease. I mean just mind blown. This guy just comes back. He doesn't want anything else from God. He's just there to say thank you. And as he's holding it, Jesus, I'm so grateful. And all of a sudden, the fingers grow back. This guy was, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like. That's what Jesus did. There's another leper in Scripture, and this is an indictment to us at the church. I'm not going to get distracted, but he comes running to the feet of Jesus, and he falls down at the feet of Jesus, and he makes this statement. If you will, you can make me whole. 
If you're willing, and I've been convicted by that scripture so many times because there are people that come into our life that have been rejected and turned away and beat down and they're despondent and they don't even believe that that you as a Christian can love them and care for them. This man comes into the presence of God in the flesh and he recognizes his ability, but he questions his desire. He says, "If, if you will, you can make me whole. And Jesus heals this man. Because our God is a healer. He's a healer. That's good. Matthew chapter number 14. And verse number 14. I'm going to read it now and I want you to keep it in your Bible if you're following along there. We're going to come back to it. Say so all these isolated events of healing, we can count. No, we can't even count the amount of healings that Jesus did. Yes. This scripture says, And Jesus went forth, and he saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Jesus comes into a town, and, and he sees this multitude of people. I don't know how many there were. The Bible says that he's moved with compassion. He's touched in his heart. And he, he simply begins to move among them. And he heals their sick. God has the power to do that. Yes. He makes his way to a cross. He sheds his blood for humanity. He spends a little bit of time with the disciples in which he shares with them the passage that we read in the beginning. And then he leaves this world. He leaves earth. Now we don't have God in the flesh any longer. What's going to happen with healing. We get to the book of Acts chapter number 3 and we see Peter and John making their way to the temple. They're, they're being good Christians. They're on their way to prayer. And along the way, they see a man that they've undoubtedly seen many times before. He's a lame man. He's a beggar. And he's laying there and he's asking for just a little bit of money, just maybe enough to buy food for that day. And, and, and they speak to him. And this takes a lot of boldness. Because they're not God. They're not God. But they say to him, we don't don't have any money to give you. But what we do have, we will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they extend their hand in faith. And I think that took an extreme amount of courage for a, a person. I know they were the apostles. I know they did some incredible things. But they were people. And they had to overcome all the same doubts and all the same fears. And at this point, they didn't even have a precedent to act upon. They just had the word of God that said this is going to be possible. And so they extend their hand in faith, hoping that God's going to come through. I'm sure there was a voice in their mind that said, when you you grab a hold of that guy's hand, it's just going to be dead weight on the other end. Doubt and fear tries to creep in but they do it anyways and the bible says that they take him by the hand and immediately strength comes into his legs and his ankles and his feet and he begins to walk and leap and jump and where did he go into the house of god it was the miraculous that paved the way for the message that's what it was was it an isolated event we go to acts chapter 5 i'll read verses 12 through 16 And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest 
dressed no man, joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So the church is growing, that's great. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing six sick folk, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Amen. How many healings took place at the hands of the apostles? We don't know. We know that the Bible describes a situation in which God was backing up his word with such authority that people had, the, the lost people had such a confidence in what God was doing through them that they were taking their sick friends and their sick relatives and they were bringing them into the streets that the Apostle Peter was going to walk down and putting them out there because, because just possibly the shadow of Peter might touch one of them and God, in backing up the message, would bring healing into their body. People from all around, they didn't get in their car because they didn't have a car. From cities all around began to make their way to where the apostles were. Why? Because God was backing up His Word with signs and wonders. These signs shall follow them which believe. And so He was validating the truth with the miraculous. There are those who would like to say, that this was a temporary dispensation of God's power to jumpstart the church. The problem is I can't find it. I I can't find the expiration date. I can't find where God said it was temporary. I can't find where it stopped. And so I've, I've shown you today some scriptures from the Old Testament. And I've shown you today some scriptures from the New Testament with Jesus from the Gospels, and I've shown you today some scriptures from the book of Acts in the early church, but God is still moving. God is still healing. I want to have my Nana come. She said she would. She's looking at me now like she changed her mind. And I just want to have her share for a moment. Okay. A moment? Just You do what you need to do. Okay, you guys, I am I am just out of my comfort zone right now. But you know, God, He's He's been so good to me. And Jason talking about all the healings and stuff. Well, ten years ago, I had ovarian cancer and breast cancer at the same time. And you know, I did eighteen treatments of chemo, and you know, but. God, He healed my body, yes. and I have I've been cancer free for ten years. Yes. And I am so blessed to have to be able to be here to see all my great grandchildren and my grandchildren. And you know, God, He even though those treatments was there, I know God, He healed me. He healed me. And, and, and I'm cancer free, and I, I'm just, I'm just so blessed. Amen. Amen. That's that's now. That's these days. That's these days. Yeah, stage four. And the doctors say, 
That's it. Enjoy your time. Well, 10 years now you've been enjoying your time. Hallelujah. We give God praise for that. This has made it circles, and, and you may have seen this. Maybe you haven't, but I'm going to share a video here, and I want us to hear this man's testimony as well. I, I do know it's six minutes, and I'm taking that into account. I'm not going to preach at you all day. I got a testimony too. But now I can see it. Hi, my name is James Rennie. Uh, I was blind until August 14th of this year. I was healed by Jesus Christ. I have had multiple sclerosis for many years. Uh, my first episodes uh, happened about 20 years ago. My feet went numb for the first thing. And then I started having visual troubles about 15 years ago. Uh, I was working in chemical factories for about 20 years, and um, several of those, those chemical factories primarily dealt with products made out of methanol. Methanol alone can cause blindness. About eight years ago, uh, my doctor told me that I was impaired visually enough that I should give up my license and stop driving, and that I should stopped working in chemical factories. I did not. Uh, my, my eyesight continued to deteriorate. The, the multiple sclerosis made me susceptible to deterioration and the work with the chemicals exacerbated the situation. Um, then, uh, about four years ago, uh, it took a, a turn for the worse. Um, you know, I had to go to neuro-ophthalmologists and ophthalmologists to you know, get all of this data, get pictures of my optic nerve. And uh, they said that there was very little bit left. So what I had was a blind left eye and a right eye with what they call fractured image. So I had some small amount of imagery coming through, but none of it was in the right place. It was like looking through a kaleidoscope at an incomplete image. Until August 14th, when Jesus healed me. And now I can see. Yes. So when I walked into church on August 14th, I had zero vision in my left eye, and I only had 40% Bible vision in my right eye. And then when I walked out of church that evening, I can see perfectly. I can see better than I was ever able to see before. So I decided that I need to be baptized in Jesus' name for several reasons. First, the Bible says that that's what we're supposed to do. As apostles of Jesus Christ, as disciples, we are supposed to, you know, follow his instructions to the creation of the church and, and those that came after him. And they're very clear. Uh, you know, my, my pastor and my church family has helped me understand understand the scriptures better. And it is quite clear there what we're supposed to do to uh, follow him and to be saved. And I was not asking for any healing. I wasn't wasn't thinking of it at all. I I really was just giving my life to Jesus and and letting him do what he wanted with me. I really was surrendered completely, just like I got baptized. So I got baptized and I went under the water. And when I first came out of the water, I just felt overjoyed. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I called out, I, I spoke in tongues very briefly and then like the lights around started to be, feel really intense to me. I, it was more than usual. So then I started to look around 
uh, and I can really distinctly make out each of the lights, which is very strange. Light was always hard for me to look at. Uh, it would just streak up whatever vision I did have less left, and uh, it made me you know, more blind than usual. But I could see the individual lights. I looked down and saw people in the crowd, uh, which I could never pick out individuals like that before. And so I, I looked around and I saw some faces, and, and I said something to the pastor, and I said, "Don't say anything yet. I'm trying to make sure I'm not I'm not imagining things." Then I looked past all the people. There's a, a row of flags at the very back of the sanctuary, and and so I looked past all the people. And I could make out each individual flag to see what flags they were. All the way in the back of the sanctuary, it's not big flags. They're normal, you know, you know, six, seven foot flagpoles with flags on them, and I could see what flags they were from all the way from the sanctuary. And then I I I, I confirmed to the pastor, pastor, I, I really can. I can see. I can see. And uh, he said, praise Jesus. And, and that was, uh, you know, that, like I said, everything since then has just been different. My life, I, you know, my promise with Jesus and Jesus' promise to me, I've been doing my best to bring in as many people as I can to be saved. And that's all I want to do with my time. I've said on a few different occasions through this process that this miracle wasn't meant for me. I mean, it's a miracle that happened to me, but this was meant to bring others. This was meant as a beacon for others to see and, and to come uh, and to learn to trust Jesus too. Jesus is doing wonders in this world. He lots of people. And the, 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 the stories I've been getting, so many people. And, you know, uh, Jesus can heal you too. And you really just come and find out. Come to the church. Trust in Jesus. I hope that that you know one thing that comes out of this is that people will be brave in Jesus' name and tell others what has happened to them. My name is James Graham, and God healed my clients. Amen. Amen. One of the biggest things I take away from his testimony is some of the statements that he made at the end there that it was a healing that happened to him, but it was not for him. I want to tie that back to our original scripture. All of the, the healings that have gone through, everything that we've looked at biblically and through the testimony of uh, Joyce Manan, who's here, and this gentleman through the use of technology, Jesus always used the miraculous to validate his identity. Yes. And so, yeah, it was, it was wonderful for the, the blind guy that got spit on. But the entire multitude experienced a miracle. It's astonishing for the ten lepers that, that Jesus healed. But that's ten families and ten potential communities that then knew Jesus was God. These signs shall follow them that believe. It wasn't just about recovering sight or giving the ability to hear or the ability to walk. It wasn't just about a, a, lane or a, a man whose hand was maimed being made whole. It, it wasn't just about all of these diseases being eradicated. Jesus was trying to reach people with the truth. 
And he said, I'm going to prove to you that it's true, because just like in that day, in this day, we have all kind of messages that are claiming to be true. They're claiming to be accurate They're Some of them are extremely close and they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They don't have the backing of God. And he's reaching multitudes with the message. And so here's the question that I have for us today before we go on in this is what is hindering healing in our culture today? Sin. Can be. There's several things that I, I want to point out. Number one, there are people who are seeking the healing without the message. And so they make their way into a service like this or something like this is publicized and, and they're tired of their, their physical condition, but they're content with their spiritual condition. And so they come into the presence of God and it's give me, give me, give me. I'm here to be healed. I'm here to, here to be touched. I'm here to be made whole. I'm not changing anything. I'm not going to obey your word. I'm not going to become, be coming to church. I'm not going to be getting baptized in Jesus' name. I have no desire to live holy. I have no desire for the message. I, I don't want the truth. I just, I just want my healing. Right. I, I appreciate, again, this guy's testimony. At one point, he said, he said I made my decision to be baptized. Yeah. And I had I, healing wasn't even on my mind. He had, he had the order right. I'm coming to God because I've realized that I'm a sinful creature. i realize that I'm lost and on my way to hell. And it doesn't matter if I can see or not. Because in, in eternity, it's not going to be, be a, a big factor. He recognized that he needed the message and God backed up the message with the miraculous. Another thing that hinders healing for many today, at least in America, is we try to use healing as a bargaining chip with God. God begins to prompt people and convict people and call people to ministry and call people to higher levels of commitment. And we foolishly pray things like, well, God, if you'll heal my body, if you'll touch my mind, if, if you'll do this and if you'll do that, then, then I will, as if we have any, we have no bargaining chips, folks. Jesus died for you. Jesus came from glory to this filthy planet and lived for you so that he could die for you. He's already done far more than we could ever repay. So when he convicts me about something or he calls me to a level of commitment or he begins to ask something of my life, I am a fool. I'll make this personal. I hope you do the same thing. I'm a fool to say, well, you know, let, let's talk about that, Jesus. See, there's some things I want. No, healing is not a bargaining chip. You find one place in Scripture where God said, okay, fine, if you'll do this for me. He didn't even heal the Apostle Paul. You're not doing as much as the Apostle Paul. So if he didn't heal Paul as a bargaining chip, which Paul didn't present it to God that way, then we can't expect anything different. It's 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 not an exchange. My life for your healing power. No, 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 no. It was his life for your soul. And now you belong to him. Do what he says to do. Number three. I said I don't know anybody. So if I step on any toes, sorry. Our culture has incentivized infirmities. 
And I am, I am a preacher and my comments are to be spiritual. I'm, this is not political in any way, shape, or form. But our culture has incentivized infirmities. What I mean by that is some people that you talk to would not know how to live life if their infirmity was taking away. They would not know how to generate an income if their infirmity was taking away because they would no longer get a check. They would no longer be able to live where they live. They would no longer get this free benefit and that free benefit. And so as a culture, we have created competition for people to even desire healing. And so people are are dealing with these things and they take them and, and they're possessive of those. Now the healing, the miraculous... Again, it was always for the propagation of the message. And so what hinders healing is we have people in our culture that we have to help over that hurdle. Because they come to God and they want it done in secret. God, I want you to heal me. But I don't want the person that I report to to know about it. God, I want your healing in my life. I want to be made whole. I don't want to hurt no more. I, I, I don't want to have this fogginess in my mind anymore. I, I, I don't want to have all these issues. But, but I don't want anybody to find out because I don't know what I would do. I would lose all my incentives. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you want? Do you want the incentives or do you want to be healed? Because Jesus says, if I heal you, I want people to know about it. I, why? Because I want their hearts to be open and their mind to be open to the message that I have that can save their soul. Here's the the big epiphany. God is less concerned about my infirmity than He is about the souls of humanity. He's less concerned about whether or not I hurt in this body, in this life, than He is about the eternal souls of the people that are connected to me. So when He performs healing in my life, He's doing it because He loves me and He cares for me, but He's also doing it because He wants it to be a a lighthouse, a beacon, a a, a flare in the sky to capture the attentions of the lost people that know me and are surrounded around me. Some, as a hindrance, have become identified by their illness. We live in a day and age where people are, are... they, they always want a label. Everybody wants a label. Um, but their illness becomes who they are. When you talk to them, it's always, you're always talking about their illness. You're always talking about their plight in life. You're always talking about their problem. It controls what they can and cannot do. Their entire life is, is centered around their illness. It's their identity. It's who they are. It determines how and when they can interact with God in His church. It determines what ministries they can be involved in, what commitments they can make. It's amazing how many people say, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm this. Or I'm that. Again, the Apostle Paul. I just think if anybody had an excuse to do less, it would have been him. Yet we... I want to be careful how I say this because I'm not trying to be mean. We diminish the impact of God's grace when we use our infirmity as an excuse not to do His work. God did not respond to Paul when Paul said, take this away from me. It hurts. It's driving me crazy. I don't want it. And he kept coming to God in prayer. God didn't say, Paul, it's okay, man. Just do less. It's okay, Paul. You're sick. Just you don't have to be that involved. It's all right, Paul. Just just back up a little bit, man. Take it easy. You know what, Paul? Just, just give a little less of yourself. God said, "My grace 
is sufficient for you. Because whether I heal you or I work through you in your infirmity, I'm going to receive the glory. And so healing is not about us. We can't allow these infirmities, these things that we deal with in, in this temporary life to identify us to the point that it, it dictates our relationship even with God. Much less, you see it impact people's relationships with their families, with their spouses, on their jobs. Completely dictated and controlled by infirmities. I'm going to come to a close. I'm going to do it a little bit slowly. So that's hope, but not too much. Matthew 14 and 14. I want to go back to that. It says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. This is where I want to bring us to today. I want you to know Jesus cares. Because some of what I just said by someone who's going through something that's extremely painful and extremely difficult can be heard as calloused. And they could probably rightfully say, many people have it worse than I do in life, they could say, you don't understand. And they're right. And so someone could could hear this online, you may be dealing with something, I, I don't know. And you're hearing me and you say, you're just a jerk. You just don't get it. You don't understand the struggle. But I want you to know Jesus cares. When Jesus came into this, this community, the Bible says He was moved with compassion. Here's a little definition for compassion. Compelled to action. A lot of times we have sympathy on people and we fail to have compassion on people. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was compelled to act on their behalf and began to heal their sick. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as are we, yet without sin. And many times we go to this and we use it to solidify the oneness of God. We use it to point out the fact that he was fully God, but that he was also God in flesh, fully man. And, and he went through the same temptations you did. And I'm not taking anything away from that truth. But the first part just arrested my attention as I was preparing to preach this. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. God is touched (coughs) with the feeling of our infirmities. Not just that He can relate to them. God cares. When He sees his, His creation groaning in pain, and dealing with disease and hardship and mental instability. And he, and he sees all of these things wreaking havoc on humanity. God cares. He's touched. That's our terminology. He, he's affected, if you will, by the feel not of his infirmities, not just because he went through, he doesn't even mention his infirmities. We always want to one up each other. Somebody comes in, oh man, my back's really hurt. Yeah, that's nothing. The other day, and we got another story. Well, Jesus could warn up all of us. We go, oh man, I'm having a rough day. Yeah, let me tell you about the cross. He doesn't do that. He's touched 
with the feelings of our infirmities. So I, you need to understand, I need to understand that when we come to God in prayer and we have an issue in our life and we have a struggle in our, in our body or in our mind, we're dealing with something even emotionally and we're, we're trying to get through these things. God is, God is moved by that. Not only does He understand it, he, it compels Him to action. He wants to help. He does not promise that we will all be healed in this life. I'm not preaching false doctrine today. They're not going to be putting me on the radio anytime soon. It's not blab it and grab it. Everybody's going to leave here with a brand new body. And No, that's not what I'm preaching to you. Sometimes he says, I'm going to give you grace. That's not any less care or concern than I'm going to give you healing. Because either way, he's going to make it okay. But he, he cares. He hasn't promised that we would all receive healing, but he has promised that healing would be available in the church. Yes. And that it would be there to validate truth. Right. In a few moments when we close out this service, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone who's dealing with anything in their body, and we're going to have a time of prayer. The reason last week was so important is because I'm not just coming to you today saying, you can be healed. I, I don't, again, I don't know most of you. What I am saying is that as a church, as a corporate body, we stand on God's word. We stand on the truth. And the community that we're a part of knows that. We don't, there's no cloak and dagger. We don't bait and switch. We tell people who we are. We tell people what we believe. And it's difficult for many of them because it goes against tradition. 36, last time I counted, I don't count very often, 36 churches in a town of 13,000 people. Okay? Most of those are traditional-based churches. Very stalwart, very traditional, very... In many ways, unbiblical because it's based upon... Tradition. And so when, when our message comes across that's so radically different, um, we're, not in the, we're not in the cool crowd with the churches in, in the community. Everybody's cordial. Everybody's nice. Yes. But we're not, in, we're not, it's not like, hey, just we're all the same. No, we're not the same. Right. We're not the same. We're di- there's a different message. Yes. So from that foundation of God's truth that we're trying to propagate, I present to you that healing is available. God said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Your healing today, if you need a touch in your body, could be great for you. If you need something, that's wonderful news. But it could be more about reaching the lost people that we're trying to interact with on a day-to-day basis than what goes on in your life. Because God wants to open the eyes and the minds and the hearts of the people of Fergus Falls and the surrounding area to the truth of His Word. God wants to see them. I say I want to see them. God wants to see them baptized in Jesus' name. God wants to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And if He can send forth signs and wonders to capture the attention of the lost, well, the Bible shows me that He'll do just that. This is how we're going to end. You can come. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15.
gives us instruction. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. How does that work? I don't know. I know that's what the Bible says. And so I'm smart enough. I keep oil up here. Filled this bottle out of my kitchen. It didn't come from Israel. Angels didn't deliver it. That's not. He just said, anoint them with oil. He said, pray with faith. He said, acknowledge if there's sin. Take care of those things. So not any fabrication. I'm not trying to create anything today. But I want to make an invitation. If you have a need in your body, if you, I I say body, if, if you have a need in your body or your mind, if you're dealing with illness today, if there's something going on in your life that if you could visibly see Jesus standing in the front of this church, there's something in your life that would so move you to be like one of those men that were blind and begin to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Then I want to invite you to come for prayer. And I want to just give God an opportunity to do what He said He would do. I can't tell you He's going to. You may walk away from this altar today knowing God, oh, I guess it's God's grace. Or you might walk away from this altar today saying, wow, I don't Something feels different. I appreciated the honesty of the testimony that we heard uh, online there because he said, I told the pastor, don't say anything. I want to make sure I'm not making this up. I want to give God opportunity to do some things to call us to go, wait, is this real? This don't make sense to me. This isn't the way it's been. This, this, this isn't right. It's supernatural. It's beyond my ability to comprehend. And I'm going to do just what the Bible says. I'm going to pray in faith over those. And I'm going to anoint you with oil. And I'm not going to pour the whole thing on you. I'm going to put a little bit. There's a little bit already on my finger. I don't even have to touch it again. It doesn't say I need a lot of oil. It just says to anoint you with oil. I'm going to put a little bit of oil on your head and I'm going to pray for you believing that God is able. Believing that God cares. And we're going to allow God to do what God does. If you don't have a need, then I would implore you to be in prayer. Pray today. Let's create an atmosphere of prayer and praise in which God can move. I realize it takes a lot of courage if you're the one right now that, that you're sitting there and you think, well, I, I would like prayer, but I don't know. I, I can't ignore that, but I can't take that away either because that's where your faith comes into play. You're sitting there saying, I, I want to believe, 
just don't know if I do. Kind of like Peter and John. I, we say it like we, we act like they were so bold. Silver and gold have I. Everyone look at me. Maybe they were like, hey, we don't have any money. Yeah. But, um, see, uh, maybe it wasn't like we painted every mind all the time. Maybe they dealt with some of these same apprehensions that you are right now, but, but they did come around to the point where they said, I'll put myself out there for faith and see what God will do. I'm not going to belabor it any longer. If you feel like you would like prayer, the altar's open. Just come. I'm going to put this microphone down. I'm going to pray with those that come. We're going to spend some time talking to the Lord and seeing what He'll do today. You can stand up.
Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org. Send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.